0: Welcome to Fos, where we are practicing wisdom by remaining socially connected, even as we honor the city's need for physical distance. And in this way, we take care of the most vulnerable within our communities. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Glenn and I'm proud to be one of the teaching team here. We are a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. One of the ways we stay connected is by using our community rhythms or shared practices to remind ourselves as we do these daily practices that we're still connected to the larger body of Phos and some of these practices connected to the larger church worldwide. The rhythm we're gonna be focusing on for this sermon series is called SOAP. SOAP is an acronym for our daily reading plan, which if you've been following along with us, we've been in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you haven't been then all the details about what SOAP is and just to stay in step with us so you can stay around the community stories can be found on phos.church. We have a daily devotion page. By participating in this, we create a way for us to become rooted in the stories of God while reminding ourselves that we're still connected since we're doing the same shared practice. And it gives us an opportunity when we meet on one of our rhythms, which is Thursday mornings, to be able to hear how God has spoken to each of us through the same text in different ways because the way we hear, the way we understand and step into the story, so how it affects the way we live out of the story is very much influenced by the way we experience life. This shared experience, this this shared discipline is why we wanted to have a way of shaping our sermon series around it because we're hoping to be able to model some of what it looked like to do soap together And I'll be modeling the format, which is scripture. And when we say scripture, there's gonna be a a chapter or two listed for our readings. You don't need to write the whole thing. Find a line, a phrase, a verse that jumps out at you. Observation, where you know how you responded to that text or how you see that text moving through the scripture, what's happening, who's talking. You're just noting some of the flow. So they can go to application where you ask the most important question how will I live out of what I have experienced today? And then you end in a line of prayer because we want to recognize that what we hope to build, who we hope to become, this idea of the, the ever-expanding community is bigger than what we can do ourselves. So let us step into the scripture. Second Corinthians 2.10-11. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I'm not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. And jumping towards the end of the section, 13.4, Paul closes, for to be sure, Jesus was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we, we live with him in our dealings with you. Just take a moment to pause. Did a phrase or a line of that jump out for you?
1: Hold that in your mind.
0: As I walk through the observation to where I'm gonna note just some of the movements on how I interact with the text. When I read the passage, especially these ones that hold so much emotion and tension, I'm reminded that these letters allow us to eavesdrop on the first people struggling to figure out, because of Jesus, who are we? The angst shows us that whatever we say about Jesus only matters to the point that it affects how we can reimagine community. It wasn't a smooth transition for Paul and Corinth. You can hear the frustration when he says, you've made me into a fool. For Corinth, this was a time of growth, especially as they realized the stories and traditions that brought them to this moment, where having heard the gospel from Paul, they're now starting to follow the super apostle and coming into tension. That they may have brought them to this moment, but the traditions and the stories and the way that they held themselves may not take them where they hoped to go. And this act of growing up, becoming, brings internal tension for the people It reminds me a little bit of my 28th birthday. I was living in a new city and a good friend of mine named David Luya, he's one of those guys that can find the beauty in any moment. He's just he's present, he's centered, he doesn't think too far ahead. For him, the fact that we were together and having a party is brilliant. Now, just going into grad school, being in a new city, I was broke, stressed out, and barely had time. And he wanted to throw me a birthday party. So we went to the greatest place on earth, Chuck E. Cheese, where you have cardboard pizza, cheap beer, and it turns out an endless amount of germ-covered 12-year-olds sliming everything around. And I had a quick epiphany there. I was too old for that place, especially since I didn't have my normal buffer to where my niece or nephew would be with me. And because they're there, I can be a part of it. Just being a 28-year-old having a birthday party, even though David tried to ham it up because for him it was going to be brilliant, it made me realize something. I couldn't go back in time, and being unable to go back in time, I also found the fact that the kids would not share the games to be vexing. So like Paul, I couldn't return to an old story where Chuck E. Cheese actually held some excitement, because It was life-giving for me in a time, but it now leaves me wanting because I had grown up, I had matured, it was no longer something that I could see value in. And as we see, as Paul works through this passage, that growth requires a rupture from what was, and it is difficult because it wasn't all bad, just not the new way to form a community. Looking a little ways back, you see in chapter 11, verse 18, that says many are boasting according to the flesh or it says ac- according to marks of the body. And that's, that's pointing to a notion a couple verses later to where it says, are they, are they Jews? Are they Israelites? Are they from the seed of Abraham? Because they were telling an old story, the super apostles coming in that brought this tension around they were trying to bring them to the story that wouldn't have reacted to the community gathered there. And so as the conflict arose, just like my discomfort in Chuck E. Cheese when I found out I no longer belong there, from trying to relive an old story that could no longer fit the gathered community, as Paul was trying to call the people back away from the super apostles, the ones who were trying to sit over the community with rules that could no longer govern them, because they saw the liberation of the people, the, the new ones sitting around the table and gathered to be a weakness to the community rather than a promise of the kingdom to come. The super apostles desired control to, and this affected the community and how the people could remain in the community. As we move to some of Paul's rhetoric within 1210, he moves from a sense of weakness because it looks forward to 13.4, where it says Jesus realized the new world by being crucified. That said Jesus in weakness inaugurated the new world. And this created that space, that potentiality for the power of God to be seen. Paul pulling back into his own ministry and saying this is what a leader looks like, this is what the new community looks like. Not one who comes with a heavy hand to control but one who lets go of control for Christ's sake. And because of Christ is willing to actually endure abuse, not because it's good just to take on pain, because what he could see was more beautiful than what was present. He was reminding the people that it was from weakness that you create that room for the power of God to be seen. And within our community, and especially within this, we realize that each person is coming from a different place in life. We've had different experiences, different moments of harm and beauty. So we have to create a sense of patience here. Like Paul, who wrote multiple letters to Corinth, visited them a few times because it was a part of staying committed to their growth. And us as a community are committed to each other's growth in a way that we're in it for the longer term moments of sitting, reflecting, and reminding each other that we come in moments of weakness. But this weakness isn't just a um, idea of I can't do something. This weakness is saying that I will let go of having to control. And this is a frighteningly vulnerable way to enter into conflict. I mean, if we think about the people mentioned 13.4, it said Jesus was crucified for coming in vulnerability and weakness. Just prior to this passage in 11, Paul said, he was flogged five times, beaten with rods twice, and stoned. No, each of these are government sanctioned punishments and executions. It's not like these were random thugs coming around. This is the way the system worked. If you're outside of us, we can crush you because we come in strength. And this is where Paul says, you do not understand the path to the new way that the super apostles are not getting is that we come in weakness. And weakness means we cannot destroy the other. Weakness means we cannot use state sanctioned executions. Weakness means we're the one on the cross, not putting somebody onto the cross. Looking at Jesus, Paul understood weakness to mean the letting go of control while still being responsible to name and justice. We see that the list of struggles to build the kingdom became personal. When he said, I can. I'm content with or um, the NIV said uh, I'm, I delight in weakness but it goes on to say troubles on behalf of Christ. And then the first line of 11 he says I have become a fool and he uses the, zay- the same verb for trouble which is an accidental slip of tongue. When you're in a fight with your significant other, when, you, when you're in a fight with someone who's a close friend and you know that one word that one thing they're gonna set them off, you you know the term, you probably already have a fight in your head that you're like, oh yeah. When I see Chris, I know if I just say, it's gonna hit a point. Well, he just primed them to hear this as aggressive. He said, I am content in suffering, in weakness, in insults, and in troubles. On behalf of Christ, I see the kingdom he's building said, however, you have caused this trouble for me. To be content isn't acceptance. It is realizing that the struggle is worth it while you name the injustice because you're invested into the community, not just to give yourself a pass, but that we grow up together. And for that, at times, at least within this structure for Paul, We have to name those parts that we're overstepping, that we're missing it, that we're coming like super apostles who see themselves over a community rather than like Christ who served a community. Moving towards this hope that weakness will create space for the power of God to bring new life allows Paul to invest himself into something beyond his control because he saw this done in Jesus Yet history has shown us that we, being like faith communities, the traditions of Christianity, often have abandoned each other over the ability to control who's in or out, what is believed, or how we can understand Jesus, community, hope. Even to the points of baptism or communion, we've abandoned each other. Rather than hearing the call of Paul here, that says on behalf of Christ, I will endure so that I can call us back, that through powerlessness, the kingdom of God makes the ground ready to witness life coming from the power of God. Which brings us to application. How do I live out of this story? As I move through the passage, the ability to eavesdrop on their growing pains makes me actually face my own. It's difficult to keep things ethereal, abstract, or theory. When the story's so full of angst, even to the point that Paul, a few lines before 1210, said, do you not realize I love you? This is a deeply emotional moment that we're, we're witnessing almost family infighting. And witnessing such vulnerability, it causes three questions to continually haunt me. Because if I can't keep it ethereal and out here, if I can't keep it like an objective reading, then it, it becomes a reflective one for me to where I have to consider myself and my life. I don't know about your experience, but when I enter into these reflective readings, those questions get almost burrowed into my mind and keep coming up through the week. Since I'm vocal and often in front of people, it's assumed that I actually enjoy conflict or I can promote it because calling things to a head. But oddly enough, I'm rather conflict avoidant, and I'd rather try to push things back into the theoretical, so we don't have to sit in the tension at times. Because it can make my stomach turn, and I'd rather retreat from that social angst that Paul said, no, this is the way of weakness and vulnerability. But no one can stay mad at a theory And if they do, we can ignore it just like we do global warming. Just because 98% or 99% of scientists agree, it doesn't matter. We can do as we like. You see, theory is easy to ignore. But Paul looking to Jesus just seems to push me in another direction. And this is why the questions have been so haunting to me. And these questions will be the one that we're going to dialogue together. The first one: Am I only willing to invest myself into community if it's from a place of control rather than vulnerability? And for this, this pushed me. Um, we all have that moment, and there's some good, healthy reasons. Say, I have boundaries, so this far, no more. But I say, if if my tendency is to always have a checklist to make sure I have an easy way out, if if my tendency says. I always know the line, and so I sometimes bait it. Say, I'm going to ask you a pointed question to make sure we can have a fight over belief, doctrine, or a way of reading text. We ask questions to give us an easy out of the community. And in this way, we use the questions over doctrine that can create a fight. As a guise for saying we're concerned about truth, when really what we're doing is setting up control to say, I don't have to be invested if. The second question is do I care enough about community to address conflict and trust the power of God enough to still stay in community? Because often we want to do one or the other. We either avoid conflict and we say I'm trusting God or we stay out of the community and say I'm not trusting God to resolve conflict and we just blow up the spot before we leave. So we do the final letter to the pastor, the final tell off to the elder board, the couple people you know in that you're gonna take with you somewhere. And we have this moment of disruption, this this moment of disunity that we say, I care more about taking the offense than addressing the conflict. And so this one sat with me, because often I can think that what I really care about is truth. What I really care about is trying to address a grievance, when what I'm doing isn't being faithful to something, it's lacking the faith that when I come in a way that's helpful, when I come in a way that speaks truth to power, that notices an injustice, that I am still committed to the God who works from weakness, from powerlessness to show how life can come into the community. And the last question How do I engage the uncomfortable conversations from a place of vulnerability? And wrestling this one, um, that place of vulnerability means that when I come in, I have to allow you to see, like Paul did, where he said, do you not know I still love you? Do you not know I'm I'm saying there's injustice because I care? And when he says, I'm willing, I am content to endure weakness injustice, conflict, calamity, on behalf of Christ, and at the end of the lines, and he said, this is the example of God's power moving towards you, is that it compels me into the community. That when I come in that kind of vulnerability, it means I can't set up the counterpunch. It can't be a zero sum game to where I just win. But I still have to have that uncomfortable conversation and these are gonna be the questions that we're gonna to dialogue tonight, where we try to imagine what it looks like to be in a place where we don't have control. We come in vulnerability. That we care enough about the community, not just to engage the conflict, but stay to see it through to the end for a healthy community. And we get to consider what does it look like for us to approach this conflict, this uncomfortable conversation from a place of Vulnerability. Moving from application, we go into the prayer that's based out of the application and ask God to help us step into something bigger than ourselves. So, my prayer in this one was Jesus, give me the strength to accept that your new world is built in weakness without controlling, but has the courage to name injustice. Help me face the unavoidable conflicts with courage and with hope. Because this is when you show up. Amen.